Previously on Fantastic Worlds Podcast. If anyone could uh, give assistance, I would be greatly appreciated. Oh, oh shit. do you need more healing? I'm feeling a bit peckish, yes. He's going to sniff around and actually find it. He's going to start to lick it clean out of habit. And he's like, oh, from one stage unto the next, let my light always guide your path. But there's always something, right? With these tricky witches. Hey, wait a second. Come back. Are you really, really? What so if there's something else in there? Then we close the door. The creatures are soaked in their own blood, which flows down the chain into the okay. center of the room. I don't want to, to be in here anymore. <laughs> to disappear into a huge pile of wilted wildflower blossoms. So you all are coming down the stairs, being as quiet as possible. And then Buwan accidentally taps a rock and it just goes bouncing down the stairs to the cavern just as you guys are coming in. Just imagine all of us, all of us flinching with each pebble. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like clank, clank. Welcome, beauties, to my lair. And you see rising out from under the flowers this beautiful creature covered in blood, what you realize is the blood of those giants and the Androscu and all that running into that chain. So as the claws strike across Andromeda's face <gasps> like a bitch slap, one, <gasps> two, and you see these red streaks skin on the side of both cheeks. Travelers, I hope you are having a fantastic day, and I wanted to wish you a happy seven episodes away from 100. As we approach this huge milestone, I just wanted to thank you all for listening and supporting our work. We are hard at work gearing up for our next podcast release in April, Far Beyond the Stars, and I have to say I have fallen deeply in love with the characters all of us have put together, along with the fantastic world our galactic mistress, Abby, is creating for us to exist in. Our April release cannot get here soon enough. In the meantime, though, feel free to check out some of our other podcasts, such as Fairy Tale Fix which just released their 10th episode. It has been so much fun listening to Kelsey and Abby talk about all the wacky fairy tales that are on this magnificent blue marble known as Earth. Also, don't forget The Greatest Show on Earth, which is our Pathfinder 2E actual play podcast featuring the Extinction Curse Adventure Path. You can listen to that one by joining our Patreon at fantasticworlds.cash. You can get access to that and all the other rewards we offer for our Patreon members just for the cost of a cup of coffee each month. Easy peasy. Well, that about wraps it up. I hope you are ready for a roller coaster of fun, because here comes episode 93 of the Fantastic Worlds podcast, my favorite summon. I wanted to take a moment and I wanted to say thank you to Logan for introducing me to Hades Town. Oh, yay. The yes. musical. <laughs> I have been nonstop listening to it for a week and a half. So um, I ha I also was, I just finished reading Harrow the Ninth. I can't remember who else here has read like the Locked Tomb trilogy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that might also, nope, mm -mm. just me. Okay, yeah. whatever. <laughs> it was, cool. it yeah. was heartbreaking. And I was listening to the, I was listening to the reprise of Wait For Me. Oh, on, at the very end? On repeat. Yep. Oh. Uh, while I read the last few chapters and I cried a lot this morning and it was very cathartic. And so thank you. That was heartbreaking. If anybody like hasn't listened to it, it's on Spotify for free. Yeah. And if you love Greek mythology, it's so mm -hmm. good. I, that, that song I shared with you specifically, Abby, the mm -hmm. one where Orpheus like talks to Eurydice for the first time. Oh my gosh. It's just so pretty. And it, it is so pretty. It like, it builds up emotions in me and it just makes me feel, I don't know soothed mm -hmm. yeah and it's like cute and charming yeah. and it's, it's like it's like orpheus and eurydice in a wild west railroad town yes and that's uh, that's essentially the premise it's specifically post-apocalyptic 
Oh, okay. Sorry, post-apocalyptic. Yeah. But it but, has a very wild that. west feel. Yeah. Oh, that's like hitting on all my notes of like. It's yeah. I'm it's oh, crazy. Dustin, love it. It's beautiful. My favorite thing about the casting call though, um, for Hades Town is it's a colorblind casting. So whoever is the best gets gets it, except mm-hmm. for Hades. Hades is specifically an older white man with a <laughs> with a sep- what? How do with you pronounce super- it? Sepulchral, sepul- sepulchral. I always said sepulchral. It's just it's deep and gravelly yeah. and, like and genuinely baso. kind of frightening. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. He has to have a baritone like baso to the max. Like I think I read reviews where people said that when they were in the audience, they felt the vibrations of his voice because it was so deep and just expansive. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I wish I could see it. It's coming to San Francisco in 2021, maybe. I don't know. So if we're ever allowed, like, yeah. inside a theater again in numbers. That would be my one risk to go see a musical like, <laughs> live I in person again. will risk it. But I'm glad you liked it. Oh. I was toying around with just having one character, whatever, in my future. Just all of their playlists just be musical songs. Mm-hmm. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> just, just to challenge myself. <laughs> I can see we're losing Jess a little bit already. <laughs> All this musical talk, and now she's going to eat a sandwich. It's I was about okay to, say. to alienate me sometimes. I do talk too much in the intros, so this is a good, you know, break. Well, I guess it kind I of, it kind it's of just brings me, me. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> this was a terrible intro topic, but I just haven't been able to stop thinking about it for a week. So I guess, I guess a better intro topic would be does because also you know. That this is coming out in January, so this isn't exactly like a timely question or anything. But what is does does anybody have a favorite myth? Oh, um, it doesn't have to be Greek. It can oh. be for, it can be from any mythology <sighs> that you asked me this on the spot, Abby. Oh, I know, wow. but there's a just myth. whatever comes to the top of your head. There's some like all mythology is fantastic, but I mean most mythology. I can think of a couple <laughs> of stories that are really stupid, but <laughs> I'm. The first thing that I thought of was um, Sedna from the uh, the indigenous Inuit tribes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Sedna? Mm-mm. So Sedna is, she was a woman in a tribe and I forget, she was going to be murdered, I believe, as all women are in myths. <laughs> um, yeah, something terrible always happens to them. Yeah, you know, there's but, a lot of uh, indigenous lore that, mm-hmm. not lore, mythology that does not actually include that much violence towards women. That is true. This one in, in particular just happens to be this it. This one does. But but um <laughs> so the way that she was going to be killed was she was going to be thrown into the middle of a icy lake so she would freeze and drown to death. But in the myth, I might be getting this wrong, but she grabs onto the boat as she's thrown in and whoever was trying to kill her cuts off her fingers to make sure that she can't grip the boat anymore and so she sinks to the bottom of the where the body of water and all of her fingertips become um all the different sea life of the area so um like anything that gives off blubber essentially and then she becomes queen of the underworld so it has a happy ending so it has a happy ending and she's very vengeful and angry because men chopped off her fingers so badass yeah okay (laughs) i you know i'll take it i like it that's good yeah the coyote myths are always, I think, some of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't have a specific one that I like that I like the most, but but the sort of yeah, South Southwest uh continental United States um indigenous tribes just had a lot of uh fantastic trickster coyote myths mm-hmm. where sometimes Absolutely. coyote is triumphant and sometimes coyote gets his ass kicked. And I love and I love all of them. It's just they're always so clever and they're and such a such a trip. I don't have a specific one, but I like that just general canon. <laughs> yeah, those are those are what I always think of first because there are so many, you know, mm. volume wise. What about you, Angel? Do you have a, a favorite myth? I don't know if I have like a favorite, favorite one. The, uh, one of the first things that popped into my mind is kind of like with the coyote thing where it's it's so vast and it varies and, you know, different people have different versions or variations of it. There's this concept of whether it's one person or a group of people that because either they're being rewarded or punished, they're somehow um, modified to be immortal and they have to walk the earth. So kind of that mm-hmm. immortal walker. I know they're in religious connotations. They have folks that mm-hmm. are, oh, um, I know there's like one in like a Mormon for the Latter-day Saints, they have, I think it was like three brothers. For some reason, 
I, don't quote me on this, but I think their promise that they could see the second coming. So they become immortal so that promise can be fulfilled. And there's like different ones in, again, religions, lore, mythology, where it's, okay, you're going to walk the earth, whether, again, it's a punishment or, hey, good job, you're immortal. But there's so many different ones. And I always found it really neat, depending on how the tale is being told or what the mythos mm. is trying to convey. Um, regarding, you know, these, I don't know, immortal folks. So I always thought those are, those tales are always interesting because they vary. Well, I mean, every tale varies, but I always think they're very interesting personally. I've gotten like, now I want to go down a rabbit hole of trying to figure, of trying to look that stuff up because that, that sounds really cool. Yeah, there's one that immortal somehow they, stuff like that is awesome. they piss death off. So death's like, nope. I'm not even going to come around for you. So they're like, all right. But then, you know, everybody's dying around them. And they're Mm. like, I'm so exhausted. So you think the story would end as far as like, okay, you learned your lesson. Nope. It's like, no, I'm still pissed with you. Deal with it. So they just live on and on. So death just never comes for them. Yeah. I love that that's That's like like the pitfall of you think you want this. Like you would think that immortality would be something Mm. that all of us want. But it's a story demonstrating like just how crucial death is. It's like well, a monkey paw myth. Funny how different cultures handle that because uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I've mentioned this before, but there is like, again, not to get back on my Jewish bullshit, but there <laughs> is a, a some folklore about um, a city where people never die. And it's supposedly where the site where Jacob's ladder was built, you know, mm-hmm. so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And so nobody dies there until they choose to. They just walk outside and death is waiting for them. Basically, they're like, all right, tight. so cool. I'm good now. I've lived like 600 years. (laughs) I've had all the time I wanted. I've done everything I wanted to do. And now and I'm ready. That's amazing. I want to read more about that. (laughs) I'm going to go on a Jewish deep dive later. There's some really good ones. Rich cultural history. I mean, we have the whole Bible, first of all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so there's that. <laughs> I'm, oh, I, there there's probably, that. yeah, so say a mortal, a mortal, a mortal city there, because it's usually either like one person, a group of people, or something. And I remember when it first kind of caught my fancy, I thought it was interesting. And then years later, not researching it, you run into something's like, oh, that reminds me of that one thing. And then you run into it again, and you run into it again. And I'm sure if I start, I'm not going to mm-hmm. Google but I'm sure if I Google, I'll I'll start running into you know um, this kind of mythos around that concept. So so that's my answer. A little a little vague, a little broad, nothing specific. No, I love it. It's it couldn't uh, couldn't be broader than my answer. Dustin, you're the only one who hasn't replied yet. Do you have like, do you have a favorite myth? I have sp- certain people that I love the mythologies around. Amaterasu from mm-hmm. Japanese mythology. Mm-hmm. She has some amazing stories. And I've been trying to recall them off the top of my head, but I can't. But I just know I always love reading stories around her mythology. Uh, I identify most with Sisyphus because it's that mm-hmm. constant pushing down the rock up the hill and then starting over. That kind of feels like my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a tendency to take up on a huge burden, push it up, and then it usually, eventually I get bored and it starts all over again because <laughs> I find something new to do find and push up or up a hill honorable mention because this is technically not mythology but the stories are so hilarious tricksy kind of typical greek god tales is the canterbury tales remind me mm. so much of god mischief and mm. the uh, mythologies around it so i i mm-hmm. give that an honorary on, honorary mention just because they're just so hilarious to me and they just so much remind me of stuff got the troubles gods get into because i mean literally all those stories that are mythology based are based off probably real life people doing funny or stupid ass shit. And so this is Canterbury yeah, Tales. Basically. I really hope none of the Greek myths are actually based off the stuff that real people do. No. That's banging sheep, <laughs> banging swans. You know, in specific, in specific, all of Zeus's myths, I really hope have no basis oh, in banging a, ray, banging a ray of light. <laughs> yes, also that in there. one. Uh, he got around. <laughs> did zeus that's yeah. that's what the zeus disney's is the Her- worst the disney's hercules hercules film that was the thing i had the hardest hilariously it's like that is not zeus oh that is faithful not loving zeus husband and father like did you recast zeus as a family man and then the yeah. the art that they used for it was the same fantasia zeus so i thought that was funny that they did that that the, oh they did yeah that's you look right. at i was like wait a minute that is zeus so i thought that was funny <laughs> Shall we get back to the game? Speaking sure. of gods, let's kill one. Speaking of oh. gods and like 
yeah, Faye shit. Let's get back to. <laughs> Let's send this one back to theirs. This stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's- I'll send you to hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you guys feeling about this battle? I know you guys went in pretty, pretty frayed, but you, I think you've gotten your confidence back a little bit. Oh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I don't know. I that just... might just be because you got a critical hit last game. <laughs> At last, I hit something with a crit that was not a clockwork critter with mm. a scroll. Oh, and I am crit, though. in very fine spirits about it. So... When we ended it, it was the top of round four, and that mm-hmm. means that Christiana is the first one up to bat. Mm-mm. And what should I have her do? Um, craw, go into a fetal position. Surrender. <laughs> Get away yes. from me. That. I need Andromeda. <laughs> no. And Abraxas and Fang Thrasher. Fa- what was it? F- Fang Thrasher? Fang Thrasher. Fang Thrasher. Fang Thrasher. And Fang Thrasher <laughs> roll me a reflex save. Oh, no. That didn't go well. <laughs> I have a question, Dustin. So it says plus two resistance versus evil next to all my saves. Does that mean I get to add plus two if she is an evil creature? That sounds right. Okay. Okay. What did you three roll get for your reflex saves? I got a 23. Fang got a 15. 11. I rolled a 15 okay. on my on my dice. Okay. So Angel. those of you who didn't get, got below a 16 reflex. Damn it. Self, <laughs> take 26 points of damage <sighs> and you will take 1d6 of acid damage the next round or on your turn. And uh, those who passed, which I think is just Abraxas, uh, take half damage as you see her like pull inside and you see all of her skin, all of a sudden these little follicles just grow slightly as nettles burst out from her and hit you all in a 30 foot cone (sighs) and taking that damage. Uh, Does your, uh, does your, your summon there survive there? He does. Fang Thrasher lives to (laughs) thrash about another day. And she is going to, Fly under Abraxas. Under? Like under my legs? Yeah. Yes, because you're up 35 feet. And so that's... So she will get an attack of opportunity from both uh, Andromeda and... Well, actually, from all three of you. So you guys go ahead and get your attacks of opportunity in. I'll go last since she technically goes past me last. <laughs> that's 31 altogether. That's a, that's a hit. Uh, yeah, I also... I got a 30. Okay. So go ahead and give me the damage, you two. That was very foolish. And as they're swinging down, he his hammer's already down, so he just brings it up to clip their chin for an 11 points of damage. I got six points of just mace damage and then five points of fire damage. And then what about uh, Mr. Uh, Thrasher? 21 to hit. That will be a miss. Okay. He okay. swings his masterwork and misses. Okay, so yeah, you you see a uh, singe on her arm. Abraxas, you get a pretty good shot into her side, as she, and uh, she, yeah, she moves 60 feet up the hallway. Andromeda, you're up. <sighs> okay, well, um, so my spiritual weapon does the thing, which is that it follows whoever it's targeting, so <laughs> it is now up there with her. Um, I'm going to fly after her quickly and scarily, as always. <laughs> <laughs> the big black wings and the cloak just looking like a freaking vampire so awesome eyes a little black <laughs> eyes a little ba- black but also flashing with the aurora i imagine myself i'm bright eyes from that song you know yes love it and i need you <laughs> yes you oh, are nice. the vampire oh dear <laughs> yes you are total eclipse of the heart yes mm-hmm. that's the genesis <laughs> of andromeda is becoming uh. <laughs> Bo- a Bonnie Tyler song about vampires in love. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, she slides Great up character and, s- <laughs> and says, not so fast. And uh, she's going to try and smack her again, baseball style. Okay, so my first roll was a four, and my next one was a natural 20. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Oh, and yeah. That. Okay, and then a nine. So <laughs> 19. Which does not confirm. But I still got a hit. So for damage, we have three fire, 
And six again from the mace. Okay. So that's that's three points of damage. Good job yeah. there, Andromeda. Um, but then also my spiritual weapon, having trailed behind her, is also going to attack. Okay. The spiritual weapon spell sounds like such an annoying spell. Like It really it- is. <laughs> It's one of those things, like, my aunt would use it a lot, and, like, it's even if it doesn't hit, it's just constantly following this person around. Like, can you imagine how frustrating that would be? Like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> like a mosquito, but worse. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, so I got an 18 and a 25. The 25 does hit. It's uh, nine points of force damage. Buon, you are up. Um, all right, so Buon can sense that the debased Faye has exited his area because he's still blind as a bat. Um, and he calls out to Fang, Fang, don't let her escape. Um, and so Fang is going to use greater teleport to just oh. teleport Whoa. right smack in front of her. Oh my God. And then he's going to barricade the door. Oh my! Okay. Oh shit! Oh dang! He, awesome. he can do it at will. But yeah, so that's what um, Fang is doing, and and then Boo, Buon is um Buon's blind and invisible, so he's just going what to call combo. out. Yeah, what a combo! So he's going to call out. Um, is anyone nearby? Oh, is anyone there? Oh my god! Well, since it is Pippa's Pippa's turn is next, she's gonna. She's. This is the first that she's really, I guess, been clued in to the fact that Buon cannot see. Yeah. <laughs> right now. So she's going to reach out. She's going to say like, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. She's reaching out. She's yeah. putting a hand on his leg. She's like, For the rest of Buon's turn, he casts light on himself on something. So you just see this light erupt from nowhere. To make himself visible to you. <laughs> okay, gotcha. While still, okay. While, while oh, still right, because she can't invisible. see him because he's still yeah, invisible. Because I'm still invisible. So she's just like, yeah, I'm still, I'm still here. Where are you? Uh, l- let me help. And he just touches something, a belt buckle maybe, and you just see this light <laughs> burst from his crotch area, I guess. <laughs> he, he, touches, he touches his arm bracer. He touches his arm bracer. How about that? That's better. I like that. That's, that's a little. That's a little less. Uh, I went with belly buckle because, like, I don't know. That was the first thing I thought of. I was like, just grab there. No, let's not. Crotch light. Kind <laughs> of superhero-y, yeah. you know. Very, yeah. very. He should be. Boulan should start wearing his underwear on the outside of his pants. <laughs> yeah, Pippa reaches out and touches him on the leg. She's like, "Are you? Are you all right?" I I cannot see. I think that Faye did something to me. Is there... I don't know if there's anything I can actually do to dispel that. No. I, I, will be, I will be fine for now. Just lead me into battle. That's technically my Ken. I should have done something about that Great. right now. I'm not a good healer. He doesn't need to be healed right now. He's okay. been doing fine well, being blind for like three turns. Pippa takes Buon by the hand and starts leading him up the stairs after where the Fae was. They pass Abraxas, who she you know, updates on. The, she's like, Buon can't see, but I think we still have a, a shot against this thing. <laughs> as they round the corner and as they, as they round the corner towards where Andromeda and Christiana uh, are fighting, Pippa throws a magic missile at her. Roll that beautiful damage. Nine points of force damage. Ow! Good shot there, Pippa. Abraxas, you're up. What are you going to do? Uh, all right. Abraxas is going to zoom over, over Buon and Pippa and come up right to their fallen comrade. And he's going to swing his hammer over his head and bring it straight down in two quick successions as their bodies imbued with his haste magic. So that's going to be a 31 for the first and 29, 29 for the second one. Those are both hits. Woo! Woo! All right, that's 
five and five. Cool. Right there. So that's a total of ten for the first hit, ten for the second hit for a total of twenty. Ow. Well, she is she she takes those hits brutally and uh as is that in your turn there, Brexus? That ends my turn. He just growls. As we enter the top of round five, I can do I can make anything worth your while. Please, please just let me let me live, and I will give you grant you your darkest wishes. And you see this curl, this smile curl around her lips. My wish is for your blood to seep into the ground for vengeance, retribution, and balance. Undo the damage you have done to the earth. That is my wish. Damn, Abraxas. I don't think we can top that. Okay. <laughs> Abraxas, roll me a reflex save. I got a 13. Okay. Ooh. She, once again, you have experienced this before from her as a, a burst of flames come out of her hands as she flame strikes you. Oh, and you take, you take 33 Ooh. points of damage. Ooh. That's fine. Bring it, biznatch. I mean, that Ooh. hurts horribly, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andromeda, you are up. That ends her turn. Oh, no. You just hear a primal scream uh, and whimpering from Abraxas. Andromeda flaps her wings and they just shoot her back in Abraxas's direction. And she immediately reaches out and uh, grips him by the arm with a deep look of concern on her face. <laughs> I'm going to cure serious wounds. You get 23 hit points back, lifting Ooh. some of the singedness from your uh, fur there. And then my spiritual weapon angrily lashes out on my behalf, uh, totally biffing it, getting a 14 and a 20. It's the thought that counts. Yeah, it's a non-natural 20, so <laughs> does bunk. Those miss. Is that in Andromeda's turn? You. Thank you. Thank you, Andromeda. Blind Buon, you're up. Blind Buon. Well, first, uh, Fang is going to take their Maybe. turn. Uh, Fang, Fang is going to do a full attack. Um, they have a bite and masterwork greatsword, so I'm assuming I can do both, correct? Yeah, yeah, you didn't move. Okay, so they're going to take a chompy chomp with his wolf head. <laughs> uh, 20. Miss. And then the masterwork greatsword. Ah, oh, 19. Definitely misses. Dang. Okay. Well, uh, they will just stay there in front of the door. <laughs> Because that's all they can do. They're at least that's, being a big, large barricade. Because they're also enlarged. It's doing something. Yeah, it's blocking the way. Um, and yeah. Buon can't really do much. So uh, Buon will uh, reach out to his forehead. And then he'll place that hand onto Pippa's hand that is grabbing onto his other hand. And you see this shimmer of a spectral shield just go out in front of Pippa and it has what would be Andromeda's family crest emblazoned on the front. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, Okay. Yeah. And that ends his turn because he'll just stay there. (laughs) Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, It is now Pippa's turn. What is Pippa going to do? Well, she just saw Abraxas got hit full in the face with fire and... It looks like Andromeda's yanked into safety. Buon has just placed this shield in front of her, and she's feeling a little bit like it's kind of it's kind of all on her at this moment. And so she is going to squeeze Buon's hand very tightly in thanks and advance and let go and advance up the hallway until she's within range to where she can she's so tired. She's a little out of breath. She can't really talk anymore. She's been racing all over this dungeon. It's huge. She's tiny. She's just about out of spells, but she still has this trick up her sleeve as she raises her hands and a beam of fire uh, erupts from her palm towards Christiana. So uh, that's going to be a 19 to hit. That will be a miss. She's just worn down. And her arm is a little shaky and it just like goes into the wall behind Christiana instead of into her heart, which is where Pippa was aiming. 
Abraxas, you're up. Well, I got three dice coming this way. So here we go. Every inch of his body is in pain. You know, he's armored, so there's several areas that have been shielded, but uh, his face is totally burnt. There's singed animal hair smell all over the area. It's still kind of smoldery, smoky. He's got that little um, glassy eye from the strike. He's holding his hammer and shield and making sure he's not going to drop it, even though everything hurts. And then this coursing healing energy is kind of, is, you know, taking a lot of, of the pain, but he's still pretty beat up. So he's just going to grit his teeth, grab his hammer, and still he feels that energy surging through Buon's spell. Um, so it's almost like he can feel the moon, even if they're underneath the caverns. And it's just going to do in quick succession a back and forth with a 32. Whap! 27, the other side. And then finish off with a 24 as he's swinging around. So uh, 32, 27, 24. How's that look? Ooh. What does it look like when you kill her? Oh, oh, we had one hit point left. So as is he is a blur and he's going back, he, right now he's just, he's kind of seeing red and his animal instincts are taking over. So he's just feeling like he's swinging and he's forgetting about his practice motions, but he's just letting it full, full fly hammer to the ribs and he hears that crack and he brings down right at the neck and he hears another crack, but he doesn't care. He goes one more and kind of around the pelvis, another crack. And he, I picture Abrax is still swinging as the Fae falls to the ground and he's still kind of foaming and just <sighs> until he realizes it's dropped and he starts just calming down ever so slightly, but still at, at high alert. <laughs> yeah! Yes! That blur, oh, the blur was so, or the oh haste is so awesome. I, I like to think that you guys are so worn out that after she finally drops, none of you guys are cheering or anything. You're just silent because everything is just done. The, the cave is quiet. Everything is quiet. You guys are exhausted. So even if you want to like be jovial, you're just too out of it at this point. No, you, we yeah. tapped ourselves beyond our limits. Like several of us used hero points. I used a hero point. Uh, mm-hmm. Abra- I believe Abraxas used a hero point. Um, yep. I yeah. used two. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah no, two we, over here as well. We pulled out all the stops. So what do you all want to do? Uh, there is the defiled area that probably needs to be cleansed. I'm just slowly descending with my wings out until I hit the ground. Uh, and Andromeda is just sort of grimly pulling out wands ready to heal people again. Not feeling great about having to do, having to do that, you know, because it's not... <laughs> It bothers her more and more that everyone is getting so incredibly hurt. Like, Buon lost his ear in the other room. That did (laughs) not... That made her, like, queasy. And yes, she is used to violence and seeing violence and seeing blood, but seeing her friends getting hurt is really wearing on her. Fang is going to teleport next to Buon, and then um, Buon will unshed his invisibility and fang is just going to gently guide buon up the stairs <laughs> to the rest of the party buon looks up at fang because they have that summoned creature connection and he just says thank you for aiding in our time of need and fang responds you're quite welcome chap <laughs> it was good on you to bring me here looks like you need me in this fight yeah and uh they kind of bump heads and then fang dissipates into a pillar of light call me back when you need me yeah that's awesome adorable (laughs) braxis doesn't even notice with the healing energy he um since they've got a kind of routine of hey eat the body make sure everything's off of it before you eat it (laughs) oh yeah he's putting up a paw to kind of just pause at folks just because he knows that we'll usually kind of swoop in uh, to do our thing so he just puts a paw up for the rest of the folks and um kind of <laughs> we're such horrible that, creatures. that nobody but nobody but Buon <laughs> oh, can see yeah. Buon can't see oh. it. um he'll slowly <laughs> uh slowly transform back into his human form which he tries not to do too much in this dungeon just because he he needs this power you know it, it brings 
uh, added strength and protection, and they've been fighting since in the morning. So he tries not to power down, even though it kind of, I think for his kind of like body chemistry, just he thinks differently, whether he's full wolf, hybrid wolf, or man, he has different instincts that take over. But he's powering down as a person, you know, his burns slowly, burn scars slowly, healing his eye, going from glassy to, you know, back to yellow. And he puts the other hand down on the nymph's, you know, shoulder and will uh, start a kind of like a, a druidic farewell in, um, well, he'll use druidic mm-hmm. as far as it's being a he was going to lose Sylvan, but probably Druidic's a little bit more appropriate because he's probably like 80% sure Buon doesn't know that language <laughs> since they're forbidden from teaching it to anybody outside their order. Um, but I'm he picks gone. up languages really quick. So that just flickers in his mind for, you know, just a second. And we'll be doing that for a few moments um, while folks are doing their assorted, you know, healing, you know, post-battle check. For, for Pippa's part, like... You know, she's if if yeah, I don't know. She's uh, she's probably leaned leaning up against the wall next to Buon, perhaps like narrating for him what's going on <laughs> since he can't <laughs> since he can't see, so that he doesn't feel like abandoned or left out. Abraxas's ears will twitch as there's movement, and he'll uh, come to uh, how how's everyone doing? Huh. Well, unbelievably, after the events of today, we are. All still alive, Mm -hmm. if not necessarily in a consistent one piece. What are, how are you doing? Did you want to cleanse the area downstairs? How do you even do that? I'll, I'll take care of that. If you folks want to stay up here, I'll, I'll take care of everything. Thank you again for your help. I know we were already weary from battle. And again, this was my fight and not yours, but I could not... I would not have been able to take this foe down without the rest of Big Smile, uh, with the rest of the pack. Uh, again, thank you <laughs> very much. Any fight of yours is a fight of mine. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. I have not known you all well, but as the others were saying, your fights are now my fights, and we fight together. Abraxas you know, uh, squeezes everybody by the shoulder t- uh, gently lifts the the nymph's body and goes downstairs and will actually will be taking his time to actually clean clean the body so he's gonna he's going to just take his time you know creating water making sure you know the body's clean being very respectful and is going to address uh, balancing out the the area once once the body's prepared, he takes it gingerly and reverently to the center of the uh, stone circle and looks down and doesn't do a full transform, but one of his hands kind of turns into clawed hand and just swipes very quickly across the neck and lets the blood seep in to the earth. My sister, you swore sacred oaths to defend the earth to preserve its balance defend it be its champion be its avenger you have violated those oaths but those promises remain in your blood and your blood will honor those oaths your body will heal these wounds And as the cycle continues from spring to winter, your body will feed and continue the cycle of this place and honor the will of the world. He takes a deep breath as her blood is seeping into the earth, places his hand on her forehead, and moves around very gingerly around each of uh, the stones and goes full hybrid again and starts etching different runes into each of them and imbues them with whatever power he has the same kind of connection and ability that his 
path as a druid allows him to, you know, summon allies of nature at a whim. He kind of calls upon that power to start pouring into this place and start the healing process. You know, whether it's instantaneous or it'll take time, he's he's kind of planting those seeds to heal the scars that she has caused. And then she herself, you know, in death is like he said, honoring those bonds. So that blood and almost like a balance between life and death. She and death is starting the healing process and he being living is pouring forth whatever power he has. Even if it takes away spell slots he doesn't have access to, that's, you know, he's dedicated to what he does. So even if it endangers his life, he's going to sacrifice that power to to heal the earth. So after he does a rotation, he'll just sit next to her and just wait and listen to anything else that's needed from him from, uh, you know, from Galarian itself. And so he'll just pause in human form and just listen, listen to his breathing, listen to the breathing of the earth, you know, feel feel his scars uh, that are, you know, slowly re-knitting, uh, hair growing back. Um, and just let himself be in the moment. As you do that, you feel the the gem on your chest get very hot. So hot that like it's kind of burning, not like in a damaging way, but like you need to take it off kind of burning. I'll take it and um, kind of loop it around his hand and just have it cradled in the center of his palm and we'll kind of look at it. Well, even as you're doing that, it gets even too hot to handle. And I think at one point it just gets really hot suddenly. So in a, like a, like an unexpected and you drop it. Oh. And the moment it touches the ground, a green flourish happens and it spreads throughout the entire room. It envelops the debased fae and almost in a kind of like a, a grassy cover. And it goes up and it slowly goes up and then into the pool. And then all of a sudden you see a speck of light come through, kind of like the light fountain in the previous room. It comes through just a little bit, and before you know it, the blood that is in that pool turns to a crystal clear, probably the bluest water you've ever seen. And it just has a steady glow, and all the flowers that had wilted away, the wildflowers that had been floating on top, all of a sudden gain life. And then you see the vines going up the chains and covering over the dead bodies that are hanging on the mirror, uh, the stones. And... Each of the fire, the skulls that are providing light because they're they're late lamps, all of a sudden the uh, skulls just break, and all that's left is the fire. All except one. There is one skull that still rains, but now the entire room. You take a deep breath and you feel it. That that intensity of nature brought anew, and you you feel like this is they not only is the green faith granting this to you as a safe harbor, a place to rest for all of your deeds, your good deeds, but also allowing life and nature to properly return to this place. Like you, your prayer had requested pretty amazing sight. I don't think you've probably seen it before. Meanwhile, we're all at the top of the stairs going do, 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 is doing something mysterious. And when, uh, where Christiana's body is, all of a sudden it gets like pulled into the ground and in its place, a fire is lit, like a small campfire. <sighs> Magical campfire. Oh, he, Abraxas is feeling, he's feeling great. This is, uh, he thinks back to the original call. You know, he was a young, a young pup. Um, when he heard the call and he didn't know where it was until, you know, the druids called for him. And this is, was, you know, that thing where you're like, oh, this is what I want to do. Or this is kind of that, that excitement, kind of like when we started this podcast was like, whoa, heck yeah, this is so cool. And he feels young (laughs) again. He's been so tired. You know, there's been loss in his adventures. There's been, uh, you know, trauma, um, so many challenges a lot of good a lot of good if this was a movie there'd be flashbacks of you know the pale tower fighting the the stove uh you know the black dragon <laughs> um you know opening the door and finding an empty room you know slow motion spar with manette um you know uh pippa slow motion going no too much gold as he's like plopping down stuff or <laughs> no, no. 
you know, um, him catching a cherry blossom smell and turn around at the campfire and, you know, Odessa's oiling her her gun. Uh, all these flashbacks and this is a moment he, they've had rest and they have had, you know, cathartic moments. But he's just so relaxed and it just reminds him of this is the path that he chose to walk and it's not gonna it's never gonna be an easy one there's gonna be things that he's gonna do whether they're they seem good aligned or evil aligned and like he told Andromeda just you know earlier this morning you know she has a uh, a very narrow or you know uh, the path that she's walking has all sorts of challenges and pain and all he could do is walk with her the best he can but he also has his own path so it's it's probably one of his, you know, he, it's going to go down as one of those moments he re, he'll remember if they survive and to an old, <laughs> wizened, wise druid looking back to this memory of doing what for him, you know, he was put on this planet to do and his commitment to do it uh, while, you know, trying to save Baba Yaga, which is, you know, he never thought as a young, as a young puppy <sighs> that he'd ever ever be called to do so he's feeling really Mm -hmm. good and he allows himself to feel good because i think since you know their adventure sometimes he feels guilty when he's like oh yeah this is awesome but they've had so much loss and and horrible things happen you know flashback to the hakuvas is that right hakuva matata right yeah oh man and there are some whoppers but you know he's 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 letting himself feel good and not feel guilty and get up with a big stretch um, and you know letting himself be be human he's always got his animal brain going but he's letting himself feel that kind of human connection he has to his ancestry and and we'll go kind of upstairs kind of head held a little higher breathing easier feeling even with his heavy armor that took him so long to get used to <laughs> feels so light when he comes to the top of the stairs and um, you know seeing everybody probably uh, meets Pippa's eyes first and just you know, she could see kind of like a little glint in his eye and gives her a real sincere like hearty uh, smile uh, so folks what have I missed I see no food out uh, it's not rest <laughs> unless you are eating uh, make note of this uh, Buon oh, hmm. yes let me write it down <laughs> oh <laughs> okay uh, Dear oh. me, was that was that a joke? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know some jokes. Uh, there's this one with a gazelle. Oh, but where's my mind? Uh, let's uh, let's rest. Uh, let's all come down. He reaches out to Buan's arm. Allow me to escort you, Harold. Thank you, brother. And because, uh, of course, he also realizes he has not been the friendliest, uh, uh, always companion, always suspicious of this new witch, and start escorting him down. Uh, let us take a good, long-deserved rest. Um, and Harold, tell me yeah. more about this summon of yours. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, you mean, you mean, you mean Fang, the uh, Hound Archon. Fang. That's yes. He's a fantastic name. Yes, I've met him. Thirsty I've much? met him before, but I've only been able to call upon his aid recently. He is a true ally. I'm sure we will see him in the future. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, stalwart, a stalwart ally. Uh, <laughs> but but what happened in this room? It smells beautiful. Ah, this is nature restored. And, you know, in his voice, you could pick up a, oh, yeah, kind of in a a little (laughs) tone of, uh, yes, this is nature restored. Soak it in, Harold. Uh, Come, come, I will find you a a comfortable, a comfortable tuft of grass. Buwan, as you walk on the grass, you not only feel... Like you grasp through your shoes, but it's almost spongy. Like it's something you know you could take a nap on and actually probably be pretty comfortable. In fact, I really <laughs> wish I existed in real life because I really want to go take a nap on this. Uh, but you notice that you you might not be able to see it, but you can sense there is a visible change in this room. You see his shoulders relax a bit as he takes a careful step onto it. And with that, he will make sure folks have some some food. Come, come, eat everyone. Victory, victory feast. 
Hooray! Yep. Pippa is massively massively relieved to see how different the room the room is now. She was still a little afraid that there were going to be bodies chained to the stones. Just <laughs> didn't want any part of that. Well, they're still there. They're just covered in grass. <laughs> covered is fine. Covered is great. <laughs> out of out of sight, out of mind is as about as much as she can hope for in this place. And in fact, when you go to put your hand, I, I figure at some point you probably put your hand in the pool. You notice it's warm like a hot spring. It's a, kind of like a hot spring spa set up there. Definitely a place to relax, the bo- a good place to relax the body. Definitely take advantage of that. I would say, Pippa, you're probably going to be the one that notices there is one skull that did not break that is on the wall and is still illuminated, but it's just sitting there being its happy little skull self. She's eyeballing it as she's eating the snack that Abraxas parceled out to everybody. She kind of elbows Andromeda in the side, jerks her chin up at the skull and says, do you think you can talk to that one? Ooh, I don't think so. (laughs) 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 No, who knows, you know. Pippa throws a piece of bread at it. Let me try. (laughs) Nothing happens. Hello, you over there. Mm. No response. I pull out grandma. She doesn't always answer, but (laughs) I'm pulling her out anyways, just to see. She's not answering. Oh, darn. I think it's getting harder for her to to keep her spirit in this plane. I rolled a nat one on my perception check to see (laughs) if I notice anything else about the skull. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Arcana check? I'll detect magic on it. Like, well, I mean, if grandma, if grandma can't help, I mean, can you, you know? Oh, that's right. Normally I do this with Buon. He grabs my hand and then reminds me that we do this. Uh, I guess since he can't see, I'll take care of it. And I, she holds her hand out, scanning, scanning, scanning. It definitely detects his magic. Ooh, interesting. It is magic. Huh, what kind? It is a faint evocation magic. I'm going to make a nice fat arcana check. Uh, can I aid since our, like evocation is my is my like chosen school of Yeah, go for it. Magic. <laughs> it's a four, so <laughs> maybe savvy. Well, I got a 33 anyways, so don't worry too much about it. This Fine. item is known <laughs> as a grim lantern. This macabre lantern is composed of a humanoid skull dangling from a short chain. A small fragment of soul stuff is trapped inside, burning slowly in its heartless flame. Its flickering light shines from the skull's eye sockets, casting light as as a bullseye lantern. On command, the the lantern can consume its soul stuff in a sudden blast of heat as burning hands. During so extinguishes the lantern. Whenever a living creature with at least one HD is slain within 30 yards of the empty grim lantern the lantern absorbs a fragment of that creature's soul restoring its glow oh god neat speaks that's so cool so deeply to me that is such an andromeda thing so you all are you all are chowing down on some food some grub you know the usual abraxas fine dining Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and got a gourmet chef but (laughs) i i imagine this is probably a night in which you, you all are really drained Probably not a ton of talking going on. You you all want to get to bed. Uh, am I wrong with that thought? No, no. definitely <laughs> not. Pippa is going to take her the her, the migris locker out of her bag though, and just kind of set it up <laughs> next to her next to her bedroll. Just kind of du- just kind of dust it off. She's kind of like she's thinking about it because she's been t- trying to think of ways to do nicer things for Argentea lately. Since Argentea keeps dying for her. <laughs> Which I imagine, like, I, I know that she's technically, she's a, a more or less immortal creature, but that's got to be painful. So she's also, like, considering, and so she's, she takes some of the, some of the meat that Abraxas used to make whatever we ate for dinner tonight. She kind of piled up, she kind of piles some of the raw meat up next to the migris locker and just kind of, then she sticks a flower on it, tilts her head, <laughs> sticks another flower on it, <laughs> curls up and goes to sleep. All right, so... Uh, you all are setting up for bed, and I think that maybe even a, you you sense the lights dimming a little bit. Like, it's obvious that it's time to go to bed. Like, mm. the room senses you guys are getting to sleep. So, as all of this is happening, and as the rest of his companions settle into the night, Buon settles himself under his blankets. This is all a ruse, of course, for Buon does not sleep. Oh. And now he cannot see the external world. So, his gaze turns to the internal. He has always been cursed to endure a false sleep. And now as the heat of the dying fire catches his attention, 
Buon's breath begins to lengthen, becomes deeper, and achieves an even pace and rhythm. He closes his eyes. He does not see, and he does not dream, for Buon never dreams. He is not allowed, but he thinks, and what he thinks about is thus. Dreaming is perchance the closest one can get to death without fully sinking into the stillness. There are many types of dreams. There is the sleep of babes, swaddled in linens and nestled into a bassinet or the arms of a loved one. These are the dreams of the innocent. They dream in colors, impressions. They dream in half-formed thoughts they did not know they could even think. Sights, smells, snatches of touch and texture. Dreams filled with potential. And all they need is nourishment to grow, to bloom. So often confused with the dreams of the good-hearted because those who age and hold on to virtue are still yet innocent to the darkness that lurks in every corner and facet of the waking world. The good-hearted do not dream. They create and shape and act. The innocent, the babes, refuse to see what is the truth, and so they sleep and dream and are at peace. There is the sleep of the guilty, harrowing visions, torture made manifest by their own actions in the waking world. They fight their dreams, push back the spell of slumber, make deals in the dead of night. When they whisper their denials, they are raised like scattered ash up into the air, blackened and twisted by the hellfire of judgment itself. They do sleep, and they do dream, and they do suffer. They writhe, they moan, they sweat. Their secrets and lies are not purified in the dark of night, but concentrated. What was hidden is fermented and made noxious. They ooze out the pores of their skin, oily, dark, viscous. The guilty sleep, and their dreams are nightmares. Then there is the sleep of the lost. Lost in so many ways. As it is in life, so is it too in their dreams. They wish for guidance, yet dream of nothing. The abyss. Some dream of crossroads. Some dream of a never-ending maze, walls in constant flux, twisted so in their thoughts that they will never find escape. Others are lost to those around them. Who they are when awake is but a guise, a ruse. A half-painted mask worn thin, the colors flaking and peeling like tears through sooty faces. Sometimes the lost believe themselves to be found, but that in itself is but a dream, a folly. So too do they sleep, and what dreams they dream fade with dawn's light. Buon does not sleep, so he does not dream. Though half-human, his elven blood courses strong through his veins. Elves do not need sleep, and Buon is the same. It is a curse that he has coped with. One more gift from a father gone from sight and from memory. The weight of who Buon is is never far from his mind. He's not allowed to dream, so he thinks. As his companions breathe deep, Buon feigns true slumber. He has learned to meditate, a facsimile to sleep. Similar, but different. And a thing that is different will never be the equal to what others experience. It is an irony that Buon is aware of, that the so-called Herald of the Moon, emissary to one aspect of death, bonded to a guide of the departed, will never be truly prepared for death until his final day. Others touch the face of the void. Buon can only imagine. He does not dream, so he thinks. Laying down under travel-worn blankets and beddings, his mind drifts to where it always goes. Home. To Aldenhart. Up in the clouds of Irison, up to the airy of the Navratil clan. He walks the halls. He remembers how cold it was at all times, so high, so far away from the reality of the earth. As nebulous as a wisp or as a thought, Buon traverses where he once dwelled. There, by that column, he recalls being scolded by his mother. There, at the threshold, reprimanded by his grandmother. There, in his room, being comforted by no one. No one in his family, but the halflings like Freya did provide comfort. He remembers them as servants. Buon knows they were slaves. He is unsure if the care they bequeathed was in servitude or given freely. Now, older and assured, Buon has the knowledge of what is true and what is false. He's earned it through studies and trials and perseverance and stubborn defiance and furious will. But back then, he did not know. And he will not know now. The past is too far from the present and grows further with every waking day. His thoughts draw him deeper. To the heart of the Navratil estate to the council room where his grandmother ruled supreme, all members of the inner court in her thrall or disposed of. Set pieces for her conquest, dolls for her tableaus. If they did not fit the scene, they were discarded. Buon rarely set foot in the council room, but now his thoughts hover over the scene. The silvery, stately chair at the head of a blood-rusted wooden long table, copious paperwork, fresh ink drying on their pages strewn about. 
the ever-present click-click of his grandmother's nails as they thrum the wood in concentration, consternation, and ill-concealed hatred. Buwan now realizes he has gone too deep. His thoughts have led him here, to what he had tried to hide in plain sight. They hesitate, he and his thoughts, in front of the memory of his grandmother. Her features are heightened, both soft and sharp. Her skin was pale, her hair white like the frozen breath of the north. She never smiled, she leered and gloated. The memories of the past and the knowledge of the present. Buon has hidden what needed to be forgotten in the heart of the memory of his grandmother. It was easy. There was already a hollow cavern to build in. A good foundation created by the absence of a true heart. He stored away what he needed to stow and stayed away. Buon closed the doors behind him, locked the path, and yearned to forget. But now, he finds himself walking through the warded walls of what he once called home. The, w- the warded walls that he so carefully constructed around these memories. The warded walls of what he even now finds difficult to admit. Buon is satisfied that no one would ever be able to force their way into his memories without duress or effort, not even himself. Unfortunately, there is a back door that he was unable to plug up. It is there, ready to be swung open. Simple of make, small, made for a child. All it needs is a key. A spark to ignite the infernal mechanism that holds down the chains, keeping Buon safe from the darkest parts of home. The key is Jeremir. Jeremir is Buon. Buon is the mask. Jeremir is the truth. His struggle to keep the past hidden is futile. Spring knows no chain, just as the truth knows no cage. Jeremir opens the door and enters into the space where his grandmother's hearts should have been, the empty wound that controlled the Navratil clan. There, Jeremir buried the truth. The truth is that he was not wanted by his grandmother. He was not wanted by his mother. He was not wanted by his family. He was not wanted by the Jadwiga, by Irison, the world that he knew. It is a truth of utterly human machinations. An utterly realistic truth. A child's truth that is not understood until time trudges forward. That is the truth that Buon runs from. Nothing more. Jeremir was never wanted. He was the product of a capricious tryst. His mother lay with an elf, a person that has no more presence than the dust beneath his soles. He is the product of a woman who did not want to be a mother and a man who may not even know he exists. He is a stain. He is shame embodied. He is not wanted. The only one that wanted him was death. Sukiyomi called to him, sent him Kuneho, valued him, freed him from the bondage that would have stifled Jeremir and made him one with death, truly. But Sukiyomi reforged Jeremir and created Buon. The god empowered him. And so Buon escaped through the window into the sky. Strange as it may seem, the boy who could not dream, could not kiss the face of death, was instead chosen to be its emissary. He is now Buon, but he will always be Jeremir. For many years, Buon had tried to trap Jeremir in that empty space in his grandmother's heart, but he could not. Buon was unable to truly bury Jeremir. It would be like learning how to stop breathing. Even if one were to attempt such a feat, the body's instinct forces them to inhale, to ward off the darkness. Even Buon, with all his knowledge, is unable to perform such magic. The twists and turns of the Navratil estate belie what Buon has spent his life learning and accepting. For such a twisted home, the true twist is so simple to be easily overlooked. He was an unwanted child, so he did what unwanted children do. He hurt. He felt pain. And at the first instance, he followed the call of one who made him feel wanted and left everything behind. And now the boy who has become a man, Jeremir, who is now Buon, has never dreamt. Dreams are nothing to him because he has never known them, a gap in his life's education. So instead, he thinks, and he ponders, and he is content in the knowledge that he holds close, the knowledge that somehow he seems to have found a new path to follow and has found companions that seem to want him as much as he wants them to. In whispers and thoughts, he admits that he needs them. Sukiyomi lit the path. He is always in the sky watching over his child. The silver in the sky is different from the silver of the throne. There is warmth in its pale light. As Buon feigns slumber, he feels, even so deep down in the earth, the brush of death. And he is comforted. Buon is not innocent, nor is he guilty, nor is he lost. Buon is awake. The Fantastic Worlds Podcast is a Fantastic Pods production. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
If you can't get enough of the FWP crew, we recommend connecting with our fantastic community. You can do so by joining the conversation on Discord and Reddit, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find links to all of those on our website, fantasticworldspod.com. Want even more of the FWP crew? Consider joining our Patreon by going to fantasticworlds.cash. I am Dustin, your game dad master. You can find me at Dustin Alexander on Instagram or Twitter. I'm Abby, and you can find me at Bonanza Famine. This is Angel. You can reach me at Espinosa916. This is Jess. You can find me at Hank the Clank. And this is Logan. You can find me at MainMan08. Theme song was composed and played by Amy Hankinson. Thank you, Sirenscape, for using your sound effects and music. If you enjoy our show, do us a favor and help spread the words to friends and family you think may enjoy the show as well. Until next time, I hope you have many fantastic adventures. Clong. The Fantastic Worlds podcast is a Fantastic Worlds production and an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Pathfinder Adventure Path Reign of Winter is a trademark of Paizo, copyright 2013. All Paizo content in this podcast is used with permission. I feel like the others said, your fights are my fart. Are- <laughs> fights are my farts? <laughs> Uh, Jess, can you take less, it out? Less beans in the soup. Check, Jess, Roger. No, that, that's going at the end of the episode, my friend. <laughs> no, Let me just make a mental note. We're at about one twenty. Oh my gosh, Logan, I'm picturing the um, um, the curry, the camp at the curry with the little the Bob's beans going into the yeah. into the cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>